Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ewan Patterson. Hello, I just saluted at them for no reason. You did? Well, the video people would appreciate it. Yeah. And Rich Hudson. Hello. Hello. Now, do you guys remember demos? Oh my God, yes, I Good. do. Back in my day. <laughs> that would have been really bad if I said no, wouldn't if you, it? If you both said no right now, we haven't got a podcast. <laughs> just go. So we'll just go. Home. Thanks just for no, watching. That was, that was never a thing that happened at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we saw Rich Kennedy before because we're in the sort of aftermath of Ghost Recon and we've been talking about it in the office. And you can go find a, a video on the main channel as to you and, and uh, you and sort of general thoughts on the state of the Ghost Recon Breakpoint Alpha. Um, but then we sort of thought like, you know, the general state of demos and betas and early access and all that type stuff. There's a lot to pick apart. So yeah, I kind of wanted to just open by literally saying, do you remember demos? Because for me, they were a brilliant thing. And demo, I don't even just remember demos. I remember demo discs. Mm, yeah. Obviously, that, that, and the YouTube <laughs> lexicon, you'll probably be more familiar with Funhouse doing their little demo disc series. They take old demo discs and play them. Oh, really yeah. buggy and it's really funny. But yeah, I remember getting like original Xbox magazine and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you get the earliest one I can remember was a demo disc that had the Futurama game on it, which was amazing. I forgot the Futurama game even happened. The Futurama game was a thing and I found it really difficult to play. But whatever, the yeah, demo disc, I remember that. I remember um, uh, when they released the first Star Wars special editions on DVD. Right. If you put that DVD into your Xbox, you had a demo of Star Wars Battlefront, the mm-hmm. very first Star Wars That's Battlefront. so cool. And um, yeah, so I remember all of that. And then obviously when you got Xbox Live, you had all the stuff that you could download. Mm-hmm. You had different multiplayer demos at different things. And then the, re- the, the weird thing is, I remember demos going the way of the Dodo, the demo Dodo, <laughs> um, when it was kind of, it was it was the last gem. Mm-hmm. And I do remember there was, a, there was a study or something that came out where people said that um, video games that had demos released online saw lesser sales overall mm-hmm. because people were just playing the demo. So like if, if you were playing like a multiplayer demo Mm-hmm. and you, all your friends had it and you were content with just that one map yeah. and those features you could feasibly just play that demo over and over that again that was always the weird double edged sword to it because obviously yeah. if they give you too much then yeah you're, you're satiated by that and you never go forward and like one of the other sort of sides to it was always I kind of thought with this generation a lot of the demos went away like because then you're encouraged to blind faith you have to go off blind faith and buy day one and you, you're not as infor- informed as a consumer which I think has kind of become the mentality across this generation overall that idea of trying to get as much money out of each consumer as possible but um, yeah Richard if you have any fond memories of demos. I remember playing the was it the PS1 demo disc one with Oddworld on it? Oh god, yeah. I remember playing the Oddworld demo 98. and having <laughs> no clue at all what to do, how to play. All I remember was the fact that I could fart. So did you find the fart button? I found the fart button. Good. And I was like, cool, this is a good game. Evil. I'm not gonna play this ever, but sure. Um but no, like <laughs> one of my favorite games ever um came from getting the Xbox magazine and a demo disc, and that was mm. split second. Oh, playing that, playing the one track with one car over and over <laughs> and over and over again, and uh, that did lead to a purchase for me. Demos in the past for me have always led to purchases. If, same, but I, mean, yeah. I can understand why like um, a demo would lead to less people buying it because obviously they get the chance to try and think, yeah, this isn't for me. Let's mm. not bother. But then 
obviously opens the door of more people playing demos to eventually buy games mm -hmm. and i'm sure we'll get to that yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i just i think like on, as like but... as a general sort of thing to have in the industry for me I, I think it's nigh on essential like i think you should know what you're buying into like mm -hmm. it's not um, you know it's a big time investment like the average length mm. of a game is about 15 hours etc etc so it's like to have something available just beforehand i think just makes so much sense i said before that they don't exist anymore they do it's just that they're not front loaded as much mm -hmm. and it's not anywhere near as much of a talk well, the weird thing is you could even say that the finished product these days is kind of a demo because games mm. as a service dominates everything <laughs> so you literally sure. invest the <laughs> multiplayer title day one you are mm. effectively playing a beta because it's yeah. always Red, Red, Red Dead Online has been in beta since October the it's game's app been out for over a year mm -hmm. it's like looking know. at the Ghost Recon Breakpoint like um, looking at some of the artwork and they said oh here's our roadmap and it's like well, so then basically the, ba the base game you're getting is the demo mm -hmm. because the rest of the stuff isn't there yet, mm -hmm. which obviously it's just like a conversation for another time. Yeah, but, but it's like yeah, like the amount of patches, the amount of little tweaks and fan feedback and everything. There are they were things that you used to associate with this sort of designated early period. Mm. Um, it, it's it is like a weird kind of paradigm that we've got to that state now. Where, yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it that we sort of <laughs> the demos are the full games now. Mm. Um, but yeah, as like a general question, like I was going to say, how essential is a demo to like a purchase? Because I think we had to get used to the fact that we had to go in more blind at the start of the generation. Um, but a lot more big tier games do kind of come with demos but like you were saying before like for the most part demos did actually feed into like for me yeah thing. resident evil 2 this year i would not mm. have played that game if i hadn't had the demo right and tried it and thought okay this is really good because as i've said a million times this year it was my first resident evil game i've properly played so good so playing that demo for what is it, like 30 minutes yeah yeah it, um, it timed you out but you could do whatever you want in this yeah i managed to actually get through the whole demo in that nice. time i was really happy i was like oh my god i've done it <laughs> ah! i mean that was the thing that, that made me buy it if i hadn't have beaten the demo in that allotted mm. time slot i maybe would have thought okay maybe mine cut out uh, just as i got the shotgun i was oh, like oh yeah now there's some oh yeah, <laughs> no. i managed to get through it and i thought literally right right there and then i'd finished the demo went straight online and bought the game straight right. away and downloaded it and continued playing it from then straight away so yeah like that that, that led to a sale for me. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it is that balancing act of like, how much do they need to give you? A, 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 a time, like giving, giving you a timer on what is ostensibly the finished version of the game is like, look, it's if you play the more, best way to do you it. can just keep going, which is mm -hmm. what Xbox Live Arcade used to always do. They would mandate demos. And if you want to keep going, you want to keep playing, you just pay the money right there and then and keep going. Oh, basically, I remember you had the trial version. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, I remember I that. was really handy. Yeah, yeah. It, it would download the entire game. Like, mm -hmm. that, that's how, like, even like with the Switch, like mm -hmm. most of those demos, they do download as separate things, mm -hmm. but half the time you can just press a button and yeah. it goes, okay, there you go, there's the game. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I got Scott Pilgrim the game nice. and um, the, uh, oh, Castle Crashes from playing right. the trials. Yeah. And then I got to just unlock them straight away. I got In terms of actual games that like, then got me a purchase. I remember playing the Red Faction Gorilla demo oh, quite yeah. religiously, which then led to a full purchase. Um, yeah. Captain Toad. Treasure Tracker <laughs> mm. on the Switch, a game I was always kind of keen on mm -hmm. when the demo came out. I thought, yep, buying this. The Switch is interesting as like a side point as well because the the initial version of the eShop didn't launch with demos. Like, mm. it's something that Nintendo have put back in. Um, and a lot of people at the minute I keep seeing talking about the new Dragon Quest XI demo. Like, that game's already out. Yeah. Um, or it's out on PS4 anyway. But um, that game on Switch, you can play about eight hours of it. It's a massive chunk of the game. Wow. Um, it's a drop in the ocean compared to the length of a Dragon, uh, Dragon Quest game, sorry. But um, yeah, the, the Dragon Quest demo for Dragon Quest XI is like this massive mammoth thing. But it's so, even, yeah. even with like the direct the other night, the, there was a good like two or three points they made of like there's a demo there's a demo yeah they're, they're really bringing demos back so i think mm -hmm. it has uh, yoku's island express is another game i totally. played off a demo mm -hmm. and, I, just, and I think from a demo i think as well like the word demo kind of implies like a certain level of quality that like a beta or an alpha doesn't have yeah. which we can kind of get into like the the meat of that stuff like i guess for me like that idea of like early access and buying into a game earlier um i've never done that i've never i've, I've never bought into like a green light project or, or anything like that but what do you guys have you, have you guys done that i've stuff? never pre-ordered to get access to the beta because that's just them saying 
pay a, a premium fee to test our game for us, which mm-hmm. makes no sense in my mind, you know. But, you know, if it's there, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, for Breakpoint, I haven't pre-ordered it. I got given the beta from... Um, being a Uplay member. Oh, um, to play. But yeah, like, I don't know, it's weird. I've never really saw demos as an incentive to to actually then buy something before mm. it's even released. So like, I remember when the Arkham Asylum demo came out, I was already heavily invested in that game. Right, yeah. The demo just kind of was there to tide me over until release. I remember playing that opening thing for over and over and over and over and over again. Electric fences. Over yeah, yeah. Just keep on doing that. I don't know. It's weird. It's like I, I think demos definitely serve um, less established franchises potentially mm. more so. It's weird as well because EA do them all the time with like FIFA. True. Um, like the, there's always a demo for FIFA every single year, and I think it's because you know, they try and trick people into thinking that something's changed every year when invariably <laughs> yeah. it hasn't. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's very very weird i do think with um something like fifa it's like it's it's a, it's a known quantity like at this point they should know exactly what they're putting out kind of thing obviously there was the big shakeup where they changed engines a couple of years ago um but that's the thing i i was going to theorize it i think that we got way more demos in the 2000s in the last generation um because the general development cycles and publisher deadlines were way more uh, concrete and way more they knew what they were working towards whereas a lot of this generation we've seen so many stories about crunch culture and failing to catch up with you know the needs of the consumer and there was all that thing at the beginning of the generation that um the general sort of industry commentary was that consoles were dying and the PC was the way forward and whatever and no it wasn't written by you Richardson but that was this whole <laughs> I thing I wouldn't go that far <laughs> but that was just kind of this whole thing that like all these developers were like oh no everything is going to be on PC and the, um, when those new consoles dropped and the PS4 started selling again it was like oh my god actually people do want consoles and, yeah. all, and we've just been playing catch up for like the last sort of four or five years yeah I mean especially in the early access like beta culture that is definitely something that spawned from PC because indie uh, developers they're more suited towards PC because it's an easier platform to program for mm-hmm. without having dev kits and stuff like that. You just need a PC and you can make PC games. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like Steam Greenlight back, oh God knows whenever that was first launched. It's now Steam Labs. It's been through a bunch yes. of different names. Um, but that was a case of, you know, you buy a game from a developer who's very, very small. They've got very little going on. You can buy the game. You can support the uh, the team. Mm-hmm. You can help them make this game. And uh, a lot of games still do that. Uh, I think the most uh, egregious example was DayZ right. that stayed in early access on Steam for, I think it's like four or five years. It was a long time. And, yeah. it was, it was a, and they were like, oh, here's the Xbox version. Oh, and here's the PlayStation version. <laughs> it's like, so when are you actually going to finish any of these yeah. games? And, um, you know, for the smaller indie, indie titles, getting that feedback, you know, they can't afford a QA team. Mm-hmm. They can't, uh, they don't have the, the finances to be able to do that. And then having basically the public QA team and also the money coming in from those purchases. I think Steam, I don't know whether Steam Greenlight had like a uh, a maximum amount you could charge for your game, but it was mm. obviously a, a much lower cost mm-hmm. to jump in. And there, sometimes that would help you. Like I remember buying Minecraft back in 2010 for like a fiver. Right. Mm. Uh, and that was that was in a, that was in uh, Alpha when I bought it the last day of Alpha, uh-huh. um, and that went from there. Mm-hmm. But um, other games, you know, that you, things like a double A AA game, as PUBG, for example, that started in early access, mm-hmm. and they had a roadmap, and they said, right, we're going to get 1.0 out by the end of the year, and they did. Mm-hmm. You know, the game was huge; they made a load of money off it, and they stuck to that cycle. Daisy didn't do that, and then <laughs> all these big companies, all the AAA mentality has now been brought into that whole idea of hey, we can give people the game early and basically beta test it, mm-hmm. and that's why this whole 
uh, every single game now has got a beta access mm-hmm. only if you pre-order it. Which is, way. that's the thing, like the the way that those sort of mentalities have been like monopolized or the way you can start, like you said, like or both of you guys said, you can tie money into, like, and then it doubles as a QA thing because they get mm-hmm. so much data and feedback. But like, yeah, if you're d- doing all you can, you know, pay to play like a couple of months early, but it's the more buggy version of the game. And then they kind of profit, you know, they get the kind of thing that, you know, you should usually involve. It's weird as well because like if you, again, it's almost like the, we've come back to how the games are like the consoles now where the industry effectively punishes it's like it's most, most loyal, loyal customers people, yeah. Yeah. so if you get into Star Wars Battlefront 2 day one you're getting a completely different game to how it is a year <laughs> or so after it's released same, same with Siege, same with Siege mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe even the same with Battlefield the way it's going at the moment and it's interesting to me is I, den- I genuinely think the lack of demos and the rise of beta alphas is tying into this whole idea of games as a service mm-hmm. I definitely think that the, the reason why that's happening is because games are constantly evolving the game is never done once it's out now yeah. and that has its own strengths and weaknesses I think there are definitely um, loads of positives to that model mm-hmm. but at the same time you know if you get a demo of a game that's going to be constantly updated post-launch how can you be certain that's going to be representative of the final product to begin mm-hmm. with so is there even a point in bringing out a demo in that it's sense? weird with yeah. the daily access thing I remember when Devolver really like took the mick out of their stuff it was their 2017 E3 conference and um, where they talked about like you know the earliest access and it was like as soon as something is remotely playable we'll charge you for it and it was like <laughs> you know just taking the mick out of like the obviously the big AAA companies that sometimes do put builds of games out that are buggy as hell you know hence Ghost Recon Breakpoint or whatever um, and sometimes it is the case where like it's it's easy to sort of go down the, you know, theorize nefariously and be like, you know, there is this some big fat cat suit or whatever that is putting out the most earliest edition of a game. But sometimes when the games look like that, that you're playing, it's kind of like, well, that's and that, what it feels that like. brings with it its own question as well. It's like, well, if the game, you know, it's all great, you know, t- championing Siege and Battlefront is being like, oh, this is how they turned it around, look where it is now. Mm-hmm. And th- to be fair, that's an amazing job. They've done that through concerted community feedback mm-hmm. and actually, you know, sticking to their guns and carrying on with the premise. Uh, it has to be asked, you know, well, why didn't you just wait until you had the game in a similar position before yeah. releasing it? I always think go back to Fallout 76 with that. Mm, the break right. is early test application. It's one of those things. That was, <laughs> that was the point when it was like, this is coming out, like, what was it? The, like Two weeks before the game release was the beta. It's not a beta. It's not a beta. Yeah. It's blatantly, like, a beta happens way, 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 way before, mm-hmm. like, the game releases. Like, when does, when does Wild uh, Breakpoint come out? October still a bit of a, a push that like a, a beta for that game I would have put in the spring because it's more like summer because you need that time to actually fix it uh-huh. Fallout 76 being a, a prime example of here's the game it's completely broken it's like <laughs> yeah it's a beta that's how they frame it to make it like it's okay it's meant to be broken it's a beta yeah. but it's also two weeks from release this isn't a that's beta version of a game it's like with the uh, the the alpha for Modern Warfare you mentioned earlier on today mm. Ewan um that was it's not an alpha yeah right it's a, it's a, it's a word to say look this is an early access we can get you thing. in we can't call it a beta because the beta is the thing that's the private thing for the pre-orders we're going to call this an alpha if this were an alpha you would have uh test maps you would have reload animations that didn't mm. exist mm-hmm. you would be playing this two years ago if it yeah, were an like, alpha an alpha is the very initial thing yeah which like is the that's the thing and because like, you, you were saying about the difference between like a beta or an alpha is usually terms that are used in-house they're usually things that should be done in-house yeah. and like the betas as they exist for the most part today like the feedback they'll get for ghost recon as an example the feedback that they'll get from the breakpoint alpha um you know will only will only go into the game post-launch mm-hmm. so it's like they they benefit from the pre-order window beforehand if anyone is you know pleased by the state of the game as it is at the minute um and then 
then it's only going to get continually patched and updated anyway. So you're only really getting the alpha for the demo that is eventually the final game in another two years or whatever, which obviously is the case in like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just a weird state of the industry when you can you contrast it with the likes of the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo or Just Causes demo or whatever back in the day, like where it was meaningful chunks of games and they really took their time. It's just, it's hard theorizing on that stuff. Like, I don't know if it feels that way to you guys that things are rushed out more. Like something Absolutely. like Ghost kind of feels as, like, yeah. as you know, uh, the point I initially was going to make when mm. I said Fallout 76, my mind went the opposite direction. <laughs> um, was the idea that if they release that game this 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 winter, this autumn, mm-hmm. I think it would be a lot better, like better received than it is now. I, I stick by that. Mm-hmm. It should have had another year in the oven. Very and 76 few... would have been a much better game. Yeah, very few games this generation you can say if you stuck around and played it a couple of years later that the, the launch day version is exactly the same as what you got later. But this is, again, this is the really, really weird thing is that, you know, we see these games uh, mount their comebacks from listening to the diehard um, segments of the community, especially mm-hmm. in, in case of, you know, Battlefront. But mm-hmm. it's like... Whereas before, you know, game developers would take feedback on board between sequels and see what they could implement that way. Now it's a case that, you know, it's post-launch where they realize, oh, we'll start listening to you now. It's a yeah. really, really weird system because obviously sequels, Breakpoint's a really good example because obviously the full game hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. You can see the, the clear um, sense of progression where you've got new mechanics being introduced that were directly introduced as a result of fan feedback from Wildlands. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's the, the lack of polish and you'll see that game develop further and further as, as more players grow accustomed mm -hmm. to it. And it's weird as well, like I, Red Dead Online's a, a similar thing where it feels as though Rockstar have always had a long-term plan to introduce these things, but for some reason or another, it's it's been handled very, very like slowly. Months and months and months at this it's, point. Too. It's very weird. And it's difficult to nail down a reason for each thing. So obviously each game is unique, each mm. thing, each, each studio is unique, but it's it's interesting that I, try, I struggle to find a, a correlation necessarily a causation mm. between certain models that are being adopted. And it's like, if you listen to a, a whole bunch of different developer interviews, I forget what the name of the dude is that owns Iron Galaxy. It's Dave someone. It's ludicrous because I can't think of his name. But um, he's talked about when he's been talking on Giant Bomb before about the reality of game development and analyzing the different matrices that go into game development. You know, this thing affects this thing, affects this thing. And you want to polish everything up and whatever. And it's like, if you never put an, if you if you let that date just be up, you know, you can you can come out whenever you want. Then um, for, he was saying the games would never get finished. Like it would always be, there'd always be a coder saying, well, I can make that a bit better. Better, I can tweak this, I can do this. And it's like, it is trying to set those goalposts, but I feel like they've kind of become like nooses. <laughs> so it's just been choking so many games and something like Ghost Recon just releases so buggy. Um, and then most early access stuff too, if you're getting in at midnight, those like those initial servers are always like, they, most of the time they fall apart anyway, even if it was meant to be a server test months beforehand. Um, I don't know if you guys have experienced that with like certain games and stuff, something like comes to mind in terms of where you like- Things go wrong like server-wise. Yeah. I mean, it didn't happen for me uh, because I was on PC, but the, uh, uh, oh. The console versions of World War Two, the mm. headquarters, that all went, that all got <laughs> shut, yeah. that all got shut off duty, because yeah. It, yeah. it completely went cock. World like, War Two was completely broken on console for the entire month that I played it. It did kill yeah. that yeah. game. Yeah. Like, it was totally. a it was a real shame because honestly, World War Two is probably the best of the new gen Call of mm. Duties. I would say. Ooh, Black Ops Four. There. Ooh, it is. No, it's not. Oh, Black Ops Four. No, this is uh, a pod for a different, this is a for a different, different time. No, I honestly think World War Two is one of the best of the the new gen ones uh, overall mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, for both for, for for campaign multiplayer and the zombies mode. I think, but yeah, the fact that the headquarters was completely busted on. Uh, a console from launch. That's an example of like server side things going wrong. Mm. Uh, Drive Club was another one. For PS4 Yo, yeah, server totally. side completely went cock up on launch. And Drive Club's weird because they they announced that so much as like the reason you want to get invested in PS Plus and it's going to have this PS Plus edition of the game and and whatever. Um, and then it seems like the realities of that game's development were nowhere near as concrete as their advertising made it out to be. Um, but like that's the thing. It's like like I kind of want the industry to get back to where it was in the 2000s where things felt more planned. Yep. I don't know if that's a consequence of something like social media and the fact that we have more of a window into games development. Or I wonder if this Whatever. is also partially a backlash to season passes and mm. the reason why companies are adopting this now you know we have um roadmaps funded by microtransactions and you know <laughs> whereas before with season passes that's a clear progression you can say okay we can predict how many people are going to invest in x amount of season passes or x mm. amount of content add-ons so that we can create and fund a schedule you know what our to, audience is. to do with it with microtransactions i guess the feeling is that you can get a metric from that mm -hmm. but the it's less um 
it's less clear. I feel as though people, it's in a weird, weird way, were more eager to invest in season passes than they were in microtransactions, even though, you know, they're both doing the same mm-hmm. job in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, At least a season pass is, like you said, a designated amount of things that are coming. Like, yes. at some point you know what's coming as opposed to the ever-fluctuating market. But now, but now the whole onus is on developers shipping DLC for mm-hmm. free as a result of microtransactions. Yeah. But I think that's because the season pass itself evolved into something that isn't the season mm. pass. The, the first case of a season pass I ever... Uh, used was in Black Ops 2. Okay. And that was when they said, right, it's Call of Duty, there's four DLCs per year for per game. You're mm-hmm. going to get all four, but you'll get it for slightly cheaper. But mm-hmm. the DLC run, the, the actual, the, the way that it'll be delivered will be the same as it has always been. Mm-hmm. But right. since Black Ops 1 was the first time they did four DLCs mm-hmm. per game. Because I remember that was, was like, when they actually knew what was coming. Yeah, that's the thing. They, that was always planned out. And then uh, Black Ops 3 had exactly the same. Uh, World War Two had exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Black Ops Four with the whole Black Ops Pass because that was when the season pass controversy started, and Activision went, "No, we're still we're not doing it either. We've called it <laughs> something else. It's not a season pass, uh, uh, and it wasn't a season pass because it just became a you've now bought into something that you don't even know what you're getting. I remember when you Bethesda... genuinely don't know because all the multiplayer stuff came out different times, all the zombie mm. stuff came out different times. People weren't happy with it with the multiplayer stuff, all the zombie stuff, and it was like we before it was like right four multiplayer map, zombies map." like four times in this next year. Mm-hmm. Well, if with, if with the Blocks Pass, we just don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're calling it a season, obviously, you're, and it's right in the name, like you're paying for a certain season of content. I remember yeah. when Bethesda brought Fallout 4 out and they literally publicly said they didn't know what the DLC was going to be, but they were going to monitor what people wanted and go from there. Um, but they're still charging for a season pass. Yeah. And it was just it was just such a kind of brazenly empty thing that I just kind of was like, yeah, that's kind of emblematic of how little, or how kind of sporadic this new industry kind of but is. But so then the op- opening is. up the whole, this is what the roadmap for this is going to be. It's like, when you look at it, you think, so how much of this could could you have actually just done? Well, that's, right. what that's, good, the that's what's going on with Battlefield Five at the moment. You know, Battlefront Two has a clear roadmap that's that it's stuck to mm-hmm. for every single year that it's been released. And you know, Siege is a similar thing. They have each they have a different season each time. Mm-hmm. And Battlefield, they've had like loads of confusion over the roadmap recently, and that leads to consumer uncertainty. Yeah. And again, I'm curious to see how this. Um, games as a service post-launch lack of season pass funded by microtransactions thing works out next year because mm-hmm. certain you know studios aren't committing to their their roadmaps which again is, is yeah. an issue in itself I remember Mass Effect Andromeda just ha- well didn't have to but completely abandoned theirs it's not like EA didn't have the money to keep it going but obviously it wasn't financially viable and it wasn't you know doing very well critically or commercially so they just abandoned it and the DLC that was potentially coming for that is just never going to happen again mm. it's just like just, just give things more time in the oven mm. that's honestly one of the biggest things because with the season pa- with the season pass based microtransaction based games as a service game is there ever a point you can look at it and think right this game's finished well, that because no, it they, never, it never they don't be. want it to be. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's like when when is it that you realize that there's going to be a sequel? Like, were you mm. expecting there to be a, a Ghost Recon sequel? Would you not have thought they would just keep going with Wildlands? It's like them turning up mm. doing a siege sequel. It's kind of like well, it's why? like doing a Rocket League two at this yeah. point. Like, yeah, it's, if, if it's done well, then you can kind of plug but those things. It's into frustrating it, as well because this leads into a self fulfilling prophecy where you have a game like Siege, who well, the game itself has a very very compelling multiplayer. It's kind of lived and died by the strength of its it, you know its unique multiplayer edition. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there are still elements of the series hardcore who are asking, "Where's the single player? Where's the co-op?" Because it was first Where's all this, and and, yeah. and that's never going to come. Mm-hmm. Which is mad. They got Angela Bassett in to market that game yeah. single player, and it's, that's what I used to associate with that game as yeah. well. And when when I when it came out and everyone started playing Siege again, I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna go. Up, I'm finally gonna check that out." And it's like she's not even in there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, which she is, does a few narrations, and that's oh, okay. It. And okay. it's like, well. Where does this leave us? You know, I guess you're seeing legitimate success with the multiplayer, but 
when does a series lose its identity? Basically, I think it's interesting well. talking about because I had a point in here about um, the difference between a, a demo that we get shown and what we get at release. And for the most part, obviously, there are so many stories of games being shown at E3 and different trade shows that are nowhere near what we end, end up getting hands on with. Um, which, like, I guess, is the first part of this is like, how much do you think the industry like would benefit from delving into perception and just saying ahead of time, like, this is what we're aiming for. This is a target render. Like, this is what we're aiming for. This might not be what you get, but at the state of the game as it is, the size of the levels that we've coded so far, we can bump the graphics up and that's why it looks like this and we'll show you this mm -hmm. but like you know you have to understand that once we add seven more worlds we might bump the graphics down or whatever like what the what happened what happened with the witcher and um, where cdpr was saying it's not a downgrade um this is this is as optimum as it could possibly be given yeah. the size of the game as it was at the end but that's not what it was when we first showed it off um for me i would be like totally fine with them saying like this is a target render transparency yeah transparency. Want yeah. transparency. Mm -hmm. perception and transparency like, mm -hmm. I, like yeah i don't know if you guys think that that would help in terms of the way that games are shown off publicly as it's well. weird because I would be the kind of person to, to, to rather have seeing something how it will actually look wait, like, yeah, wait like honestly like this is how it's going to look like yeah it doesn't look as good as a target as like a target render but mm. that's again that's that's pushing the boundaries of what we could really do. Mm -hmm. This is what the game will really look like to you. It's like Ubisoft are one of the prime examples of like, this is something that looks really, really fancy and you get it and it's mm -hmm. nowhere near as good. Mm -hmm. um, I'd Personally, again, that's a personal thing. I'd rather see it as it will look yeah. because I, I would kind of like to know if there's something that's very blatantly pre-rendered and they say, this isn't gameplay, fine. Mm -hmm. But don't, make something pre-rendered and play it off as gameplay because even... Oh, don't do a Killzone 2. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I... I like something it's, like, well, it's, it's it's hard, really. Yeah, because it's yeah. like, yeah, you need to market the game, you need to get people invested, but it's like you also don't want to be lying. But that's the issue as well, because Ubisoft as well, they never fulfilled the and I don't I don't I love Ubisoft. I think they're, you know, of, of all the publishers, they're, they're one of the only few that are like aren't tied up by a big, you know, evil super mega corporation. Mm. I genuinely believe that making video games is a genuine passion of theirs. Mm -hmm. But there is something about this routine and formula that is going to end up killing this company because we have um Stuff like Breakpoint has an amazing E3 showing, mm -hmm. has so many cool different things, and you can see that they're actually addressing stuff from the previous entry. And then you get to the beta, which is a month before the game releases, and you know, like you said, they're not going to be able to address everything. The, the the lack of polish is killing it. And you know, yeah. why can't you just be transparent and just delay the game a little bit? Because you know, Wildlands was only two years ago. You could yeah. literally you could sit on this for another year mm -hmm. to make sure that it's absolute and it's at, at its absolute optimum. But Didn't they just not... release a new mode for Wildlands as well? Or they, or they went back. There was one last month, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not like it's not active. Yeah, like, yeah. That's where the sort of the publisher whims come back in again, and it's just so sort of like, no, well, we have a financial window. Like we want to hit this by the end of the year. We want the Christmas sales. We want all that stuff. Um, but it does. It, it, it again, we keep using Ghost Recon, but it is such an obvious example. And Ubisoft have been such an obvious example this generation. If you look at something like Assassin's Creed Unity, um, so many examples of games just being rushed out the door. There is mm -hmm. no reason that Assassin's Creed Unity couldn't have been delayed. Mm -hmm. It was just because it was being touted as this big, you know. The next generation starts here, and this is our new thing, and whatever. It's like even in even across the last generation, the times that the games have been delayed, mm. the the outcry that I think publishers expect from fans saying, "Oh, we, but we want the game," it's it's never really been Red Dead there. Two. Yeah. Yeah, perfect example. That game was meant to release what a year after its mm -hmm. first trailer. It ended up being another year after that until it actually came Days out. Gone. Days Gone was delayed, delayed mm -hmm. twice, and as much as people were starting to lose, kind of lose interest in it, obviously it came out and it was in a state that was like, okay, this is really good. Mm -hmm. um, I had another example, and it's completely. Left I was going to say Cyberpunk because it was oh, like they uh, made that part of their advertising. Yeah, um, well, yeah, ready when it's ready. Yeah, uh, Metroid Prime Four, right? Mm. A, a game people have wanted for 
God knows how long. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're just going to restart it entirely. And everyone went, yeah, okay. But that's that. It's, it's totally transparency in, in the perception of the game itself. Like, they could not have been more transparent. Like, I, I forget the name of the dude that hosts the Nintendo Direct, but literally came out and bowed to the audience and said, we're sorry, we need to, we wanted to lay it in just complete honesty. That's what yeah. we're doing. That's, and Nintendo yeah. obviously known for doing their own thing left, right, and center. But in that case, they were literally just saying, apologizing to the fans, and we'll have it to you in the next few years. I mean, yes, there were people who were like, oh, but you know, I was really hyped. And stuff, even though we'd but... literally just seen a logo. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> most people were really very supportive of it, the idea. I always look back at Portal 2 and that got delayed. And, you know, look at how that turned mm -hmm. out. It was only delayed for like, I think it was meant to be coming out in the November and it released in like April mm -hmm. of right. the year after. So it was only, that it was, year. Nice. It was only a couple of months, uh -huh. but it was like, Portal 2 is one of the best games ever made. Mm -hmm. So it's like the fact they gave it a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. It's it's something they should really stick to. As I said, Fallout seventy six, give it another year, and it would have been a lot better. People will accept like yeah delays and like you know if they know that the end product's going to be worthwhile. I just like yeah, it is that issue with like there's so much money in the deception. Yeah, that, um, it's it takes a lot for like these massive multi million uh, dollar or whatever companies to actually acknowledge that they do need to delay something. Or, Portal you know, two is going to be nine. It's going to be ten years old next year. <laughs> I mean, Arkham is Asylum. It? Arkham it's Asylum is already ten years, 10 years old. old yeah. yeah. No, Portal was Portal Two was twenty eleven. Twenty ten. Was it? Twenty ten. I thought it was This week in debate out in the office, chums, because <laughs> GTA Three is a teenager, so don't worry. Also, so is Vice City and San Andreas. But not to worry. Um, yeah, I think there's different um, <laughs> pros and cons <laughs> to um, demos, betas, and early access stuff. I think it depends how it's done. Um, a couple of the examples that I had, another one to uh, show the other side of the spectrum if we take Ghost Recon as something that kind of feels like it was you know, playable too early. It's it's very much resulting in people going, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see what the review's like and everything. Um, the other side of that, uh, in terms of paying for early access, is Gears 5, um, which I think Microsoft have done very well tying it with the um, Game Pass Ultimate. You can play it for like £2 or whatever, and there's this new marquee franchise. Gears 5 is brilliant. Um, and it, it actually works as something that like one of the first games that I've played in a long time that I've played early where it's like you can play it four days early and it's not been a total train wreck it's like they've had enough time to put it out and it's been a long time since Gears 4 it feels like a while and um, the coalition know what they're doing they prioritize quality it feels like something that is actually available when it's supposed to be available and mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be surprised if the early access day is what they were actually aiming for in the first place um, which would make the most sense yeah and it's yeah. like here's the version as you're supposed to be getting and the only reason that you're paying more or, or paying differently is because you know you want to get the ultimate pass and it works on that level as well um but yeah i i, I think for the most part going in early doesn't work in this industry but not um, at this level yeah if it's an, if it's an indie level indie development that needs that kind of help mm -hmm. fine that's why uh, i've invested in uh satisfactory when that first came out because mm -hmm. that was a game that was in development like we've, we've only had two major updates since mm -hmm. the game came out uh publicly in march i want to say but it's like just going console, through that, I don't know. going through that game and, and and keeping up with development. You know, being like being a tester of it as someone who's really excited for this game. As mm -hmm. I'm not shut up about it. Mm -hmm. Like doing that, I'm completely down with. Which is that's the heart of why those things got off the ground in the first place. It's like yeah. let's build a community and, a fa and like a fan base around. Let's all get this to the finish line together. I remember when um, Prison Architect came out and it was yep. like working on that. Like I didn't go on that, but my wife did, and um, like got invested in it and was like keeping up with the community updates and stuff. It's like there is a really nice, wholesome way to develop a game alongside a fandom. Planet Zoo doing it as well yeah i've got the beta for that at the end of this month and that's coming out in november so that's still a good like month and a bit away from uh release and everything mm -hmm. that i've seen of it even the gamescom they were showing off the game it's like this game's basically done right like i think overall like this generation kind of represents like a, a flirtation with twisting what early access is supposed to be um to the point I think where it's, it's pretty much only come from the from the triple a mentality like yeah. i said the double a mentality you've got things like PUBG. i would say planet zoo planet coaster that's a, a, totally a double a mentality yeah they're, they're going in with the right idea whereas 
AAA are saying, look, here's something that's a popular thing. Let's just monetize it. Let's mm -hmm. turn it into you can play it early. You can push like, a button. Well, like what EA did with the 5,000 different versions a month. And oh, cool, yeah. I think it's just like, this is this is in a state where you can push a button to fire a gun. We can do something with it where it's in a public space, um, which like like I said, last generation, they would take a lot longer. I totally recommend the Devolver Digital. I'm sure it's 2017's conference. <laughs> was that, was that like their first big one? I think it was their first yeah. one. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think down in the comments if you're watching the video version or come find us on social media if you're listening on any of the audio platforms. For now, though, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast, and I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Ewan Patterson. Goodbye. And Rich Hudson. Thanks for listening and or watching. Good, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. How dare you be more polite than me? <laughs> <laughs>